Hey, hey, Rockbridge. I hope everybody is great as we gather here this Christmas season, all six of our physical locations, and then a bunch of you that are uh, engaged with us online. However you're with us, we're glad that you're with us. We want you to believe that you're with us for a reason, that God's got something for you. You're not here. You're not listening. You're not tuned in. By accident, there is a reason, and so I'm just praying for all of us that we get that, okay? And I just want to mention this. This is an incredible season uh, just for us to be attentive to who are people in our, in our sphere of influence, who are people in our lives that do not know about the reason for the season. People that do not know Christ as their Savior, do not know the, the meaning of Emmanuel, God with us. And so this entire season, this weekend, next weekend, we have Christmas Eve services at all of our locations. I just want to ask that we pray right now for people maybe that you know that do not know the reason for this season and that maybe the Holy Spirit, maybe God would give you an open door and then give you the courage or the intentionality to extend an invitation to share with someone about what Christ means to you. So all of our campuses online as well, would you join with me now just in a posture of prayer? I'll pray for all of us. God, thank you for this incredible season. Thank you, God, for what it means, not, not so much for our economy, but for our souls and our future. God, I, I know there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people that do not know you as Emmanuel, do not know you as Savior, as King of Kings. And God, you have put us here and left us here to be your ambassadors and be your witnesses. So, God, on behalf of everybody that's here today, we just want to pray in our spirit for specific people, for specific opportunities that we might have to share, to invite, and to show people who Jesus Christ is. So, God, we place names before you right now. We place our, our jobs and, and, and our, where we go with our kids and our neighborhood. God, we place that before you right now as maybe mission fields, God, where we can live sin. And we're just praying, God, that, that this Christmas people could come from darkness into light. People could go from uh, being far from you to being near to you through the, through the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, Jesus. Thank you for hearing that prayer, God. Thank you for being a seeking, sending God. And be with us, God, as we open your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're in a series for Christmas. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1, or turn them on. But we're in a series called Faith for Christmas. And we, we said this last week. Well, Alfred did, and so appreciative of him, our Chatsworth campus pastor, for preaching for us last weekend. But, but he set up this series by saying this, to receive the gift of Christmas that God wants us to get. There's a gift God wants us to get, Right? That what kind of faith do we need to have? And so last week we started talking about humble faith. But before Alfred talked about humble faith, he said something that's true of everybody. E even non-Christians, even atheists, even people who may, maybe they come to church just because it's Christmas. And that's just sort of what you do in this part of the world or in this part of the, part of the United States. But he said this, everybody has faith. Because faith is what? It's just trusting, it's depending, it's leaning upon, relying upon. You might be trusting yourself, you might be trusting you know, uh, your circumstances, you might be trusting what other people have told you, or you might be trusting God, but everybody's got faith. 
And then last week, we introduced the concept of humble faith, looking at the life or the response of Mary. Powerful question. Powerful question. Do we want what we can do or what God can do, what He can do? What we can do or what He can do? That was the question, and and that was sort of the driving question about humble faith. So this week, we're going to look at another person in the Christmas story. His name is Zachariah. He's the father of, of the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist. But before we get to his story, let's talk about faith for you and I for just a second. And I want to ask this question. The question is, when do you tend to have faith in God? There, there's a when to our faith. There, there's a time where faith maybe feels easy, feels right, or, or we lean in to God, okay? And now, for some of us, it's very situational. We might have faith, you know, in a, in a crisis. When something goes wrong, man, our faith grows or we start looking to God like we've never looked to God before. Sometimes it's when we get blessed and we're like, man, just uh, gratitude overwhelms us. We realize we don't deserve it and we praise God for it and we look to God in it. Sometimes it's activity-based, like, uh, you know, when we're, in our, when, when we're having our time with God and we send that out to folks four or five days a week, we can give you that subscription, go to a Connect Here area, we'd love to send you time with God, a way to get in the Word of God, right? Maybe it's when you're at church, or, and maybe it's seasonal, like Christmas. And, and so the danger of activity-based faith is it can be compartmentalized. I'll be honest with you, this is a challenge I personally have. I am like very good at compartmentalizing things, like what happened at 8 o'clock doesn't have to affect me at 10 o'clock. Here's the danger of that. I can have the best quiet time, best time with God when I get up in the morning, man, connect with God, and then by 10 o'clock I'm operating on my own. I hadn't talked to God, looked at God, thought about God since I said amen, i got to face my day. And so our faith can sometimes just kind of be, man, I have faith when I'm at church. I have faith when I'm around certain people. I have faith when I'm reading the Bible. I have faith when I see a sunset. But beyond that, maybe I don't have as much faith. Sometimes our faith is past tense. It's yesterday. You know, when when I'm talking with people, and this may describe you, sometimes people talk about God in the past tense. Well, you know, I used to when I was little, before I went to college, before this happened, and, and it's all kind of a yesterday type faith. Well, there's the, the opposite of that is a lot of times it's future faith. We're just looking at maybe someday my, my ship will come in, someday God will come through, or, or you know, you're just sort of waiting for the rapture or waiting for heaven. It's just all very future focused. And then sometimes we have what I would call conditional faith. When this, then I. God, when this happens, then I will, or if only. And we have these conditions that have yet to be met by God or your version of God or your expectation of God. And, and, and so when we have faith, as we see, can be very, can, there can be a variety of moments and times and reasons and circumstances that when we have faith. Now let me flip the question. When do you, and for some of you, the question may be, when did you lose faith in God? Because that's a very, you know, we like to, you know, if we're in church and we're all putting on masks and trying to pretend some, to be somebody we're not, no, I've, I've always got faith, you know. But let's just be honest. There's times you don't have faith. There's times when it's harder to have faith. And, and then for some of you, right, and it's okay, and I'm glad that you're here. And you don't need to feel shame or guilt or anything like that. But sometimes, some folks are like, man, I used to or I lost faith. And this is why, and this is what happened. And that's okay. 
But what those two questions, the, the when questions, what, what that shows us about faith is this. It can fluctuate. It, it can vary. It can be up. It can be down. It can be like a roller coaster. It can be kind of cyclical. You know, it's, it's not, man, I, you know, it's not one of these things, man, I received Christ as my Lord and Savior. In my case, when I was 18 years old, you've got your case. Some of you have yet to receive Christ as Savior, and that's okay. We're hoping and praying for you and hoping to show you Christ in a new way by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's all good, right? But what it shows us is, listen, faith does not stay steady or constant and there's some reasons for that that we're going to get into but when we talk about what God has for us and what God wants for us there is a faith that we see in the Christmas story last week it was humble faith this week it's there's a different adjective we'll attach to that that God wants us to have and and we're going to see that in the life of this incredible guy named Zechariah. We'll, we'll meet ourselves in him, we'll see ourselves in him, and we'll hear an invitation from how God works in his life. So we're in the Gospel of Luke. Luke's the historian of the Gospel writers, a phenomenal historian. You'll see that in the way he writes, and we'll get into this story. Here we go, Luke chapter 1, verse 5. So he gives us the timing. He says, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. That's our focus character for this weekend. His wife was the, from the daughters of Aaron, one of the Old Testament priests, and her name was Elizabeth. And we get a description of them. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. So if we just stopped right there, we would say this is a couple, a, parent, a, 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 couple, a man, a woman, they're, they're family, they're a family of faith. They're a family that that believes in God. They're a family that basically walks like they're supposed to walk, lives like they're supposed to live, and the biblical word for that is is righteous, okay? And then we get introduced to a problem that they have that just sort of seems to be something they're stuck with. It says they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. So she was not able to have kids in the time frame or the time of her life when you typically have kids. And so it just looks like that's kind of passed by. So we're, Luke is telling us some things, and we're going to go somewhere with that. So they have faith, but they have a problem. They have some things that haven't worked out. So it, what happens next is we get told about Zachariah's duties. So when his division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. So he's going to go in and perform some priestly duties. He, he, it's, he's chosen by this casting of lots. Now, when Luke says that, he wants it's cueing us in or alerting us to something, Okay. And so, and then we get that the hour of the incense, the whole assembly of the people were praying outside. But we need to key into, hey, something is going on here with this guy named Zechariah, and when the fact that the lots, casting of the lots, identified him as the priest to go in and, and, and be a part of this ministerial duty that was custom for Jewish people. And so we, we're, we call, I call your attention to Proverbs 16.33. Proverbs 16.33 talks about casting of lots. And this is all contextual and cultural. But basically what it says is the lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. In other words, God is involved. God is aware. God is over 
even the casting of lots or the rolling of the dice or the flipping of the coin or rock, paper, scissors, whatever your equivalent is, God is involved with that. It's not accidental. It's not by chance. And so here's sort of what that sets us up for and what what that's alerting us for, that every moment and every situation and every season is under the umbrella of God. So let me say it back to our first two questions. Every win... W-H-E-N, that you're in, whether you have faith or not in, the, in that win, all of that is under the umbrella, the authority, the scope, the benevolence, the goodness of God. So here's what that means. Everything is loaded with divine potential, divine possibility, and divine opportunity. Everything is loaded with that. So your day, your mornings, your commute, everything is loaded with divine potential, possibility, and opportunity. Now look, it's hard for us to believe that. And the reason it's hard for us to believe that is because as our cultures have become more technologically advanced, it takes a lot to get us, quote-unquote, in awe, Right? We, we, we go to places, we watch shows to be entertained. And, and you know, things that maybe 50 years ago people would go, wow, about, we go, eh, about, right? What's the next thing? You know, we're waiting on iPhone, whatever, 17 million. I don't know. But we're all, it's always the next thing. And so when I sit here and say, even the mundane, even the flips of the coin, even the so-called coincidental, even those just everyday normal things that you do every day of your life, when I say it has divine potential and possibility, you're tempted not to believe me, which means you're, not, you're tempted not to believe the Word of God. But that is the Word of God. But oftentimes we miss these things because something's off with our faith. Because Matthew tells us this. These are the words of Jesus. It shall be done to you according to your faith. So let's go back. What God has for us in these when, W-H-E-N, these moments, situations, and seasons, well, it hinges upon our faith. Now, why is that? Because of what God has ordained faith to be. Faith is God's chosen channel. It's the only channel that he wants to bring his grace and mercy, his strength and power, his wisdom and guidance to our lives, his favor, his blessing. That's the channel he uses. Hebrews says it more bluntly than that. Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, we've already said we all have faith. The question is, where is it placed? In whom is it placed? In what is it placed? All right? So what we're at, where we're at in this story about Zechariah is we've got something that has occurred for hundreds of thousands of years. Priests ministering at the temple, a roll of the dice, a casting of the lots, a flip of the coin, and a certain priest goes in and does specific duties and specific functions. So for a Jewish person in the first century, this is just normal. This is just what happens. It's like you, hey, I got up, it's Monday, the alarm went off, I got up, made some coffee, fixed my face up, and went to work. And I got off work, and I came home, rinse and repeat on Tuesday. It's just like that, except we are alerted by Luke 
with this casting of the lots and what we know now about faith and what we know now about the divine potential in every moment, every season, every situation, every win, W-H-E-N, what we know now is that, hey, there's more than meets the eye because God is, un, uh, it, all of it comes under the umbrella of God. So what happens? Chapter uh, 1, verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah, standing at the, to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear, because that doesn't normally happen, right? And if an angel shows up, you're quaking in your boots, right? It's like blue lights in the rearview mirror, right? But the angel says to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. So Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth are apparently still praying and asking God for a child. And the angel says, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you'll give him the name John. And there will be joy and delight for you, and many people will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He is an agent of God. He is a vessel for God. Your son that you thought you would never get, that you thought you, you were never going to receive, God's going to give that to you, and he's going to be used by God. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him talking about Jesus now in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Not just another day at the office, right? It's something is going on, this divine moment, this incredible potential and possibility of how God works and how God meets it. So look at what happens all in the course of this conversation. We get an angelic announcement and an angelic appearing. We get answered prayer, a prophecy about the coming Jesus Christ, the, the Christ child, the Christmas prophecy is fulfilled. And the plan of God to redeem sinners, the plan of God to restore people back to a right relationship with him takes a major step forward and it's advanced, right? Right? Now, if that were you and you were Zechariah, how, what do you think would come next? Praise the Lord, right? Weeping and joy and excitement. I mean, many of us are like, why doesn't God speak to me? <coughs> Excuse me. Sometimes the way he speaks to people in the Bible. And we're like, that's all I want, God. That's all I want. And, and we're tempted to think that if you got these kind of things going on, faith becomes easy. Following God becomes easy. And then you get Zechariah's response. Well, how can I know this? You've just seen an angel, right? But Zechariah says, well, I'll question that angel. So Zechariah asked the angel, and then for, he goes, for I'm an old man. And my wife is well along in years. Now, Zechariah has faith, but he doesn't have faith in God. Now, his bio that we read in verses 5 and 6, he's a man of faith. He comes from a family of faith. His marriage is built on faith. But in this moment, in this situation, in this W-H-E-N, he doesn't have faith in God. He's misplaced it or he's lost it, however you want to describe it. He does not have faith in God. See, the Bible is, like people, is, is, is about people like me and you. There's no perfect people in the Bible. And so we can identify, right? I mean, there's an empty tomb in Jerusalem. 
that verifies who Jesus said he was and what Jesus accomplished. And yet you get in certain moments, you get, and I get in certain situations where we're like, God, I don't know if I believe you. God, I, how can I know? How can I trust? How can I follow? How can I keep holding on? How can I obey? How can, your way doesn't seem like the right way, God. I mean, we all do that. And Zechariah doesn't. Because faith can tend to fluctuate, as we've already established. And then the angel, though, speaks back to him and says, Well, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to tell you this incredible, incredible good news. Now, this teaches us some things, okay? It teaches us... Where does faith come from? You ever thought about that? Where does faith come from? Well, Romans 10, 17 says faith comes from what is heard. So the angel came to speak. The angel came to share good news. So we get faith by hearing the word of God and then trusting what God has said and what God has revealed. Now, here's the question, though. When do we have faith? The only time, this is what this story is all about in, in many ways. The only time we can have faith is in the moment we're in. It's in the now. It's present tense faith. The question is, am I trusting God right now? Am I leaning upon God right now? Now, here's, here's where we are with Zechariah, right? Here's the challenge. He lacked present faith in God. He had past faith. He had historical faith. His family had faith. But in this moment, his faith is not in God. In this moment, his biology is greater than his theology. You see that? I'm old. I can't be a dad. My wife, she's well along too. He says he's old. He doesn't say that about his wife. He's a smart guy about his marriage, right? She's just well along. He's old man. She's just well along, right? I mean, that's so wise. Man, that's free advice for you, okay? So, but his biology is greater than his theology. It happens to us too. You know? I can't say no to beer and drugs and sex. Your biology is greater than your theology. Your faith is more in your body than in what God has said, period, right? His long waiting is greater than God's present working. He has waited so long. She has waited so long. They cannot imagine that God would presently be working to undo what had long been a constant in their life, the constant of infertility and disappointment. His faith is in his circumstances more than in God's good news. Now, again, I said this. I can identify with Zechariah that there's times when what my body is saying or what my body is feeling or what my body is going through seems greater than my trust or my belief or my faith in God. That there's times where, you know, things I've prayed for or waited for or asked God for seems greater than what God is doing or speaking or saying to me in the present moment. And there's times where I look at my newsreel or I look at, you know, what's going on around me, my situation, my circumstances, and those do not seem to communicate anything good about God or anything good coming for God in that moment. And in that moment, does Matt Evans have faith? No. Or I do have faith. Just not in God. That's the powerful thing about the Word of God, is we can meet ourselves in the Word of God. Now, here's some warnings that just seem to jump off the page of this story, okay? 
that our doing and our believing, which is to say our trusting, do not always align. So you, listen, this, this is where we, I need to kind of, we need to talk to Christians a little bit. You can read your Bible, pray your prayers, attend your Bible study, do time with God, be, be active in church, and still not have faith. Now, people look at you and say, oh, that's a man of faith. But in the now, in the moment, you don't have faith. Zechariah was doing things that people who typically believe in God, have faith in God, were doing. But he wasn't trusting God, was he? See, our society and our tendency is to look at the externals. Check, check, check. But God's looking at the internals. Where's your trust at? Where's your lean at? So sometimes our doing and our believing or our trusting don't always align. Another warning, seeing a miracle does not mean we receive the miracle. He saw the angel. He heard the good news. But he's closed to it. Remember, faith's the bridge. Faith is the channel that God has ordained for grace and mercy, strength and power, Wisdom and guidance to flow into our lives. When we misplace or lose our faith, that channel is closed or blocked or obstructed. That bridge is blocked or blown up. So seeing the miracle does not mean we receive the miracle. See, Christmas is a miracle. Virgin birth, God made man, God in the flesh. Easter is a miracle. We can prove Christmas happened. We can prove Easter happened. Thousands, millions, billions of people will see that miracle, but they won't receive the miracle. It's one reason we're asking you, asking you to pray, asking you to invite, asking you to bring people to church with you. Why? Because we want to show them this and pray that the Holy Spirit gives them eyes to see and the faith to receive, right? And, and so there's these warnings that come out in the story of Zechariah. And the final warning is this. Unbelief is a constant threat or a constant enemy. Unbe- I, I think so many, I think this explains so many of, so many, why Christians don't live any different than non-Christians. is because a lot of Christians, you know, right, we say, oh, I believe in God. But we don't understand that you can unbelieve in God. I can leave the amen of my time with God and then walk into my marriage or walk into my job or walk into my kids and be an, and act like an unbelieving husband, an unbelieving father, and an unbelieving employee. 20 minutes ago, me and God were good, but I'm acting like I don't believe in God around then or in those situations, right? I mean, you can walk, you can, your faith right now, it can be high in God. You can walk out of here, get a text, see something on social media, and then you act like a practical, functional atheist. It happens, right? Unbelief is a constant threat, and it's a constant enemy. And the way our enemy works, he can't take away faith because we always have faith. So faith is not lost. It just gets repositioned or it gets misplaced. Zechariah put more faith in his biology. Zechariah put more faith in his own understanding. Zechariah put more faith in his circumstances as opposed to what God said about his circumstances. And so this brings us to what I think is the fundamental question that we've got to be willing to ask ourselves. Am I believing God now? And let's get as specific as we can in this.
Everybody's in this. I don't know what your this is or your this is or your this is or your this is watching online. I know what my this is. The question is, in this, in my now, am I believing God? I've heard people say, well, I believe in God, but. I believe in God, but I don't see. Then just just admit it. You don't believe in God when it counts. And the only time it counts, because it's the only time you and I have, is now. You see that? The only time you have to trust God, lean on God, depend upon God is now, in this. Zechariah is in the temple with an angel. And he doesn't have faith. (coughs) Now, here's what's challenging about this, okay? Some psychologists have determined that most people, about 46.9% of the time, we we are thinking about something other than the present moment. How many of us are thinking about the past with regret or nostalgia or we're thinking about the future with fear or trepidation? And so we're not fully present. Our minds wander. We get distracted. We're at work, but we're thinking about what we got to do after work. We get home, and we're, supposed to be there. we're there with our wife, and our wife's like, you're not really here, are you? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just happens, right? But you go through Scripture, and I'm going to give you some examples in just a moment, and notice how many times God literally invites us, begs us, commands us to be in the moment. Give us this day our daily bread. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's be glad and rejoice in it. Jesus says this, do not even worry about tomorrow. And then he makes this statement, abide, stay, trust, hang in, be connected to me, John 15. When do you abide? Tomorrow? The only moment you got is today. The only moment we have is right now. So let's go back to Zechariah. Because look, if the story ended right there, we wouldn't have a lot of hope. Because as we've said, the whole day or this whole message is our faith tends to fluctuate. Our win, W-H-E-N, varies, right? So if we just said, hey, the only time that you got is now. And, and some of you walked in. Some of us walked in here and we don't have faith when we walked in here. Some of us are at this crossroads, right? Matt, there's a this, and I'm struggling to trust God. I mean, what hope is there? You've kind of given me some warnings, but what now? Listen to the story, because the best is yet to come. So the angel speaks to Zechariah now, and he says, Now listen, you're going to become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words. Where does faith come? Faith comes from what we hear, what we hear about Christ. You did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Now, zero in on what he just said. Will be fulfilled. Zechariah, you're still going to get a kid. And he's still going to be the forerunner to the Messiah. The man we now know as John the Baptizer. A couple of things jump out in what the angel says. First is this. He gets discipline. We should not fear divine discipline, but we should fight and fear unbelief. And, and, and could it be that the discipline that God sometimes puts us under is designed to help us regain present faith? Could it be that, hey, you, you and I, God's a good father. Good fathers discipline their kids. Good fathers don't always keep bad things from happening to their kids. Good fathers sometimes let their kids experience consequences with some guardrails. So could it be 
that God puts you or puts me under discipline, not to punish, but to awaken present tense faith. Remember the key question, am I trusting God now? I wasn't trusting him yesterday. I wasn't trusting him when I made that decision five years ago, but I can trust him now. And then that, that key phrase that I talked about zeroing in on, because my words will be fulfilled, the angel said. Listen, here's what's so powerful. Here's the hope that my soul needs this weekend. God's faithfulness is always greater than our faith. God's faithfulness is always greater. We can be faithless and God will still be faithful. He will never, ever, ever, never, ever not be faithful. So you may be in here and you may think, man, the best is behind me because I have exercised unbelief, not lived by faith. That's not true. That is a lie from Satan. Yes, there's discipline. Yes, there's consequences. But God's faithfulness is always greater than our faith. And here's the opportunity that every single person has this weekend. It is so powerful. Listen, if present faith is what's needed, then right now is ripe with potential possibility and opportunity. The only time I can exercise faith is now. Yes, I exercised faith when I was eight years old and asked Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Yes, I exercised faith when I sensed where, what God, that God wanted Beth and I to start this church. Yes, I, I exercised faith a couple of days ago when I prayed a certain prayer and journaled about it in my journal. But that's past tense now. The only, now, the only time I have is what? Today, now, in the moment that I'm in. And, and, and I hear this great release because so many of us get shackled by our past, don't we? And our could'ves and our should'ves and our would'ves. With that statement, present faith is needed, then right now is ripe. Listen to how Paul talks about his faith journey, okay? Paul's a murderer. Paul was a terrorist to the church. And then Paul, then Paul became a pastor and a missionary of the church. And listen to what he says. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect. If you've, ever been, if you've ever been fed a lie that you've got to be perfect to walk with God, you need to flush it right now, okay? But I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ. Christ has gripped me. Trust in Christ, love for Christ, dependency upon Christ has gripped me. So brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. Two or three times he says, I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind Reaching forward to what is ahead. Now, is Paul going to forget the people he killed, the people he imprisoned, the Christians he persecuted? No. But he's not going to be held back by the unbelief that marks his past. In the present, he's reaching forward to what is ahead. So it's not perfect faith, but it is present faith. Right now faith. Isn't that great? Nobody has perfect faith yet, but we can still have present tense faith in the now, in the moment, in the season, in the when, W-H-E-N, that we have. Let me say this another way. Yes, we are all one decision away from stupid. Heard me say it for a long time. But that also means we are also one decision away from being satisfied with all God is for us in Christ. Because we can trust Christ depend upon Christ, look to Christ now. So, 
what happens to our buddy Zechariah. So meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision. Something happened to this guy in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry, his temple duty, were completed, he went back home. And after these days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. So he couldn't talk to his wife. But guess what? He acted. They were intimate together. She conceived, and the promise is fulfilled. So, so here's something we need to see about present faith. Present faith acts the miracle that God's Word reveals. This was not going to be the virgin birth. That's only reserved for Jesus. So, Zachariah, you and Elizabeth have to have a conversation. And, Zachariah, you and Elizabeth have to trust your theology, exercise your biology. That's what you can do. But trust your theology and see what God can do. And that body of hers, that body of yours that you thought could no longer produce a child, well, God's over that. Theology over biology. So we act the miracle. We get God's word. God's word tells us something. It implies something. It gives us insight. It gives us a principle. It gives us a path. And we do our part knowing, trusting that God will do his part. Now, for some of us, this is what this looks like. We have to start getting very specific. Think about times of your day, periods of your life, where you don't even think about trusting God. There's no promise from God. There's no word from God in your mind. We have to get very specific with what has God promised, what has God revealed, what has God said. Get very specific. Don't just walk around with this vague faith. Don't just walk around with it, oh, I believe in God, but when I go to work, man, it depends upon me. Don't just walk around, oh, yeah, I believe in Christmas, I believe in Easter. How are you believing in God, trusting in God, relying upon God right now as a dad, as a husband, as a mother, as a friend? How are you trusting and believing in God right now as you pay your bills? Get specific. And then realize this, okay? The only time and the best time to trust God is right now. If you messed up five years ago, five minutes ago, five weeks ago, let's forget what's behind. Am I trusting God right now? Am I trusting God in this? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and pray. Holy Spirit, I'm just inviting you to be here in a powerful, powerful way, God. And Lord, we're all on a faith journey. For some of us, God, maybe our faith feels more like a yesterday faith. God, for some of us, our, 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 we're, we're, a, we're a, God, we just we, we feel like we need more. Or God, maybe for some of us, our faith has been misplaced, and, and we recognize that this, this, this day, this weekend. But God, the only time we have to trust you is right now. So God, on behalf of all the folks listening and praying right now, as I'm just praying with them and over them and for them, all of us are in a moment. All of us have a this. Would you show us how to trust you right now in this? God, there's probably some people here, and maybe they have never trusted you as their Savior and chosen to trust you as their leader, their king, their shepherd. Holy Spirit, speak to their heart. And may they have the faith to say, Jesus, for the first time, I receive you as my Savior, my King, my Lord, and my Shepherd. 
I don't have perfect faith, God, never will, till I get there. But right now, my faith is alive, and my faith is in you. May that be our prayer, Emmanuel, God with us. You're with us right now. Your word tells us that. So right now, it's the only time we have, and it's the best time to say, King Jesus, we trust in you. Thank you, Jesus, for being the author and the perfecter of our faith. In your incredible name that we pray, amen.